Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. All right, now it is July 29th. Tim, can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me, Tim? I can hear you. <laughs> you guys in the trap, let us know if you can't. Dude. All right. Tim uh, is on a razor's edge tonight, and I am on yeah. a path to push him over it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you and Pirlo eating his foot. Just can't, uh, can't win. Can't win tonight. <sighs> okay. Thank goodness. Sorry, guys, for the, uh, uh, the issues. YouTube lets you pick the wrong microphone, but then doesn't let you go back and uh, change it. Yeah, it's like so, editing tweets. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really great. Yeah, it's really cool. Good, good stuff, Google. I am Tim Herb, and as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Mr. Kevin Bradley. For now, until you. <laughs> Kevin Bradley, who we missed last week, hopefully... Uh, <laughs> quickly realizing that it wasn't <laughs> so bad me not being here. After no, all. it's my fault. Like I, I shouldn't have reacted like that. <laughs> uh, Clayton Poss went down four one, but the comeback is on Wait, too uh, soon. Yeah. That's how it feels right now. Exactly. That's how it feels right exactly. now. Exactly. Okay. Landon Schultz, you're not deaf. Brian. Yes. Boom. And Brittany can hear us. Thank goodness. Great. Sorry guys for the, uh, for the inconvenience. We're trying a new setup, new computer and everything. And, uh, I didn't remember the settings from uh, the broadcast last week. Things so. happen. Yep. Uh, yeah. Brian said, I, for one, felt like the pod suffered without Kevin. Which is why they could hear it so well, because it was recording all that Papa Roach. See, some people appreciate me and my antics, even if it's not my Brian, co-host. Brian said too much soccer talk. For those, yes, we, <laughs> we did talk a lot of soccer last week. Me and Payson, uh, Schwinn, and um, uh, Joe Patrick. And... Uh, it was pretty much down to brass tacks. Sometimes you need somebody to introduce a little chaos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. It's good. Um, I got a new bottle of bourbon. Yeah, you do. Got some White Claw. Because Kevin can't be bothered enough to drink the gift bourbon I no, gave him that he no. has to go. He's like, I, my I heard, bourbon's this bourbon's better. I heard stories and, and tales of old of the pours that Joe Patrick was making in my stead last week. And I, I mean, was afraid there wouldn't be any left. I mean, look at that. Yeah. yeah he went to town on yeah, it. Yeah, he did. He went to town on it. Um, what's up? Matthew Cote in the trap. 
uh, our brother from another mother. I truly is uh, good. DeBerton Boise. It is truly good. It is truly good. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, you guys exactly. do drink. I mean, we have that. We have that Snapchat, and you guys are like Matthew gets done mowing the lawn, and he's taking pictures of Trulies, and then uh, you and Casey talking about. You guys ever how have friends? You guys ever have friends that just Snapchat every moment of their lives in a group Snapchat, and then you just have to do one of these at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I broke my uh, broke my phone screen one time doing that. <laughs> Trying to go rapid mode, like I was breaking pinatas in Buffalo Bison. No one's gonna get that. Reference. Nope, nobody will. It, five dollars for anybody? Not really. Five dollars for anybody who in the trap has ever played uh, Launcher Libre. It was good. It's an addictive, uh, mind-numbing game. It's it's fun to play. It was fun. Um, thank you guys for tuning in on this Monday evening. If you guys are watching us on YouTube, make sure you guys hit the subscribe. Um, subscribe button and the notification bell icon. If you guys are listening to us on Apple Podcast, Stitcher what have you make sure that you guys leave a rating into a review we will read it aloud on the show we had two new ratings two new five stars on itunes but we are you sure they're five stars i'm pretty sure let's just assume yeah it's better to assume make an asshole out of <laughs> <How do> yourself <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah anyway thank you guys for uh for tuning in um how you feeling i don't know a couple was, days have passed that's what i was gonna ask people in the trap those of you watching Three days, seventy-two hours since the since the loss to LAFC. How are you guys feeling right now? Are you feeling better? Are you feeling worse? Are you feeling the same? What did you expect going into that game versus what happened? What kind of takeaways do you guys have for the game versus uh, what you've seen? You know, on the on the Twitterverse. What about you? How are you feeling? Uh, I feel the same as I did going into the game. Uh, maybe even a little bit better. Got to see a healthy Barco return. We'll get into the situation and how it unfolded, how it played out. But got to see a healthy Barco in his return. Had some great moments in his game and his return. Um, ultimately, some of the situations I found disappointing just based on some of the officiating, but I try not to dig into too much of the things that we can't control. Still ended up losing, which I thought was going to happen. Lost by one instead of multiple goals, which I expected to see against arguably the best team in the league right now, at least in the standings and in points totals. And on pace to go down as the best MLS team in history. Right. So with that said, um, you know, I'm not too upset about it. Yeah, I I don't feel that upset about it either. Um, I was, so we were at my parents' house watching it on Friday, and once it hit 4-1, I was just like, this is, well, after the second goal went in, I was like, this is Chicago all over again. Mm -hmm. And then they score the third. And then they score the fourth. And I'm ready to give up. And then Joseph scores that goal at the end of the half. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. I, I there's, there's a little, a little hope. A it little, was, there's a little solace I can take in that. And I think that we have an entire, we know we, they're the best defense in the league. We scored two goals on them in the first half. Granted, we gave up four, whatever. We're playing against, like you said, you know, the best team in the, in, in MLS going in the second half is like, they're vulnerable. They're being sloppy at the back. The goal that Mo Adams put in was, I, I think a lot of that had to do with sloppiness oh, yeah. from yeah. from the LAFC's defense. You were creating multiple Not, opportunities yeah, throughout did, the game. They didn't push their lines. They didn't get him yeah. out of the box, um, or they didn't they didn't push on him either. Um, they were very slow to react to that. It seemed like, um, and maybe I'm wrong. I, I haven't gone back and rewatched it. But and then and then Joseph Cole too. And going into the second half, I was like, okay, this is going to be a good test. It already is because we're on the road. We're playing against the best team in the league. This is potential MLS Cup preview. 
I say that not saying that we're going to make it to the MLS Cup final. I say that because we are a contender in the East, and LAFC is more than likely going to make it to the final. We're, we have a path to leading the East, which is awesome. I mean, yeah, absolutely. We're still, if we, we make up that game in hand on Philadelphia, we take the lead. Three, three points separating teams two through seven right now. But NYCFC is NYCFC, the best team in the East. Yeah. They're the best team in the East. They have three games in hand on uh, Philly. They have two on us. Yeah. And they're poised to take over the East as long as they don't stumble. But as we've seen with us, with games in hand and everything, in your words, games in hand aren't points. Those aren't wins. You, you know what stood out to me about that game going into the second half was that the score line going into the second half was very, very reminiscent of a game that we're just a few weeks removed from, which was that Chicago disaster. Yep. And the events unfolded very similarly in that case. Granted, two of them were pretty much granted because of some questionable calls, we'll say. Um, but the mentality and the circumstance was very similar to that Chicago game in which Atlanta got their heads down and had to fight just to get a point out of the second half. You see this Atlanta team fighting in the first half. Uh, rectifying some of that in the second half and ends up making it a one-point game and makes it interesting. So that said, I think that's a huge improvement, especially considering the competition on the road in a very, very rowdy environment. Yeah, that, that stadium was pretty insane. Yeah, there's Dude, the, the respect to their supporter culture. Because you know, we can we complain about traffic getting to a game on a Wednesday night. Those LAFC geez. fans on a Friday night. Oh my at, gosh! At seven o'clock, the turnstiles like they couldn't get them in quick enough. I was like, hopefully, it looked like the first Atlanta United game. Yeah, at yeah, Bobby yeah, Dodd. That's what it. it reminded me of. Very God, what a madhouse that was. So I'm going to go to the, the to the trap. Brittany S says pro refs. They say which leads into Michelle saying that she's still pissed about that penalty. Uh, Clayton Possing, um, he's more concerned with the comments out of Orlando than the game on Saturday. I don't know what comments um, he's alluding to, but uh, Brian's takeaway, L.A. is vulnerable. I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, their defense definitely got exposed a little bit on that uh, in that match. Um, Landon Schultz said, I expected a loss, a bit disappointed. We didn't equalize in that PK. That shouldn't have been. Um, what else? What else? Uh, Brian said he can't wait for San Jose to knock out LAFC or knock LAFC out in the playoffs. Yeah. You and I, you and I talked about that uh, I mean, after the game on, on Friday. I think the biggest talking point and what ultimately was my takeaway from the game was that it's not all the refs, which is Brittany S's point, which is that it's not all the refs, but the defense for us needs to be better. What is this atrocity of a defense we have right now? Well, part of it is the fact that you're without a left back. And you're putting in Franco Escobar in at left back. You've got now what's going to be even more challenging is going against an LA Galaxy team, which you want to talk about vulnerable and a team that you have plenty of footage to watch. It is Portland against the Galaxy, who has now beaten them in consecutive matches just a few weeks removed from one another 4 0, which is crazy to me. Um, but you go against that team, arguably a little bit more depleted and a little bit more uh, vulnerable without Zlatan in the lineup. And then the uh, who's the other guy that they've got up top? Not Alvarez. I can't remember his name. Araujo. Yeah. They've got a couple players out on suspension. Ibra. So what, what Clayton, Clayton Poss is alluding to is MLS uh, soccer article by uh, Mike Gramajo or Gramajo. I don't know if it's uh, pronounced how it's pronounced. 
so they're comments from LGP and from George Bellow from down in Orlando oh, wow. today. Uh, so LGP says, quote, unquote, things have changed a lot. The way the club has played the game and we don't like it, Un- unquote. Uh, said, quote, what? Quote, we're working to return to the way it was before and how we characterized through and differentiated us apart from other teams. We're returning to that a little bit. You're seeing a new face to the club now that we are now we have to continue working on or working on that to fortify that. Um, yeah, that's strange. That's troubling to hear. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, he goes on to say, let's see. Um, I'm just interested to see this team has to change and adapt uh, at several key positions and in the formation and the way that the team is playing cohesively right now. There's a lot of unanswered questions and a lot of things that need to be addressed. While I agree the identity has changed and it's pretty clear that some of the players... I haven't gotten to the end where... I guess there, there's more quotes in here about... Uh, oh, yeah. I just didn't want you to just sit there scrolling sorry, without sorry. <laughs> something so, being so said, at least. So in reference to Tata leaving, he said, of course it's hard. He said, two years of playing the same way, which in return gave you results, coming out as champions, winning the league in a deserving manner, when there was no reason to change, things changed. He said, but we're professionals. We have to adapt to what the coach wants and what the sporting director wants and try to do things in the best possible manner because we share the same objective. Okay. Right. Uh, I mean, that's what they have to do as professionals. That's absolutely right. So, and, but I don't think that the players go without a voice, and that speaks volumes to what we've talked about in weeks past, which is that the goal of any successful manager is not just to impose their will onto the players, particularly of some veteran players, and MLS is structured in a manner that you have such a broad range of talent in your lineup that you have to approach it in a ranged sensibility where yeah. you you have to enforce some of your tactics and mindset as it goes into the formation and, and tactics, but you also have to rely on recognizing the strengths and talents of the players that are in that formation and line up to maybe inform some of the shortcomings of what you're trying to impose on them. And it seems like, to that first quote, LGP and the team have voiced that and they they're working to get back to some of that. So it's not that they're all just pissed off that they don't like it and nothing's being done to it. It does seem to me, at least in hearing that, that there has been some efforts by the coaching staff to rectify that in some way. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Reed saying, read the whole article. Um, he said to me, it was more South American style versus Euro style. Um, yeah, I'm not going to sit and read the whole article on the, I'll read that. I'll read it afterwards, but I'll take your word for it. And I think that, um, what Clayton is saying, basically we hate it, but we're professionals. We have to get over it. Right. And what Brian, I agree with what, what Brian is alluding to that there's a high probability of this being translated poorly. It's, it's also another thing that we've talked about with this whole, I don't know, after Friday, the media spat between PD and, and Frank DeBoer and how much of that is, is translation versus not. Yeah. And, um, anyway, uh, it's it's interesting. And how much I, of I, this I, is just going to be water under the bridge? Well, not just water under the bridge, but fueled by the fact that there is very clearly media headlines and items taking place inside this locker room as it relates to Pity Martinez and Frank DePore. And some of that, I think, is blown a little bit out of proportion. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Including the substitution on Friday. 
Uh, so I, 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 I don't know if you saw what Payson tweeted out. No. But he, he essentially said, I haven't gone back to rewatch the game. He said, he's like, I just went and rewatched the game. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase this and, uh, you know, slap me if I'm wrong in what I'm saying, Payson. But it's essentially he was saying, went back and watched the game, and Petey wasn't great up until that last pass before he got He wasn't he great, but he wasn't off. terrible. And that was the point that I was making, yeah. was that he but, was better than he has been recently. But it's not like... Pity was showing any strokes of of brilliance that was going to win us the game, and you have a player that needs to get play time, and you can always find an excuse not to. But that was our biggest criticism of Tata last year is not making early changes when he has players that can make a difference. And Friday, there was an opportunity where you have a healthy Barco that needs to get minutes. You have nothing left to lose. You're already down. Yep. He needs to be substituted in. And with the early substitution of Justin Miram, you're kind of out of options in substitutions because you have to maintain some sort of defensive strategy against the likes of an LAFC team, which is going to expose you if you don't. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everybody in hindsight is hind hindsight. Everybody's saying that, you know, Emerson Hyndman should have been the casualty on the field as opposed to Petey Martinez. Give me all three of, you know, Petey, Barco, and, and Joseph up front. I want to see what that looks like. I think we have seen what that looked like early on in the season. And I don't, if, if I'm not, we did, if we I'm did not crazy. And it wasn't that successful. It wasn't, but I think that Barco and Petey, now that they've had a little bit more time on this team and playing together, that we may see something different. And, you know, Joe, Joe Patrick sat in that seat last week and he said, in terms of Dream 11, how he lines up and Petey was the odd man out. I, I totally agree. If I've got to choose based on what their performance has done this year across all competitions for this club and otherwise, it's Barco hands down over Pity for me right now. Yeah. And that's the, that's not to that's not to write Pity off that he can't be he can't be a utility and he can't be an all star on this team or an all star in the league, which he's playing in on Wednesday, but right now and even in the last 30 minutes of Barco's effort, again, it comes back to both players are good players. Which player is going to put you in a better position within this this team and this team structure to go out and get goals and get wins? And right now, I think that's Barco. Yeah. That's not to say that Pity can't do that. He's He's clearly a very talented individual, a very talented player, but in this system, he gets lost more times than not. I just think in terms of the scenario and the formation that we were playing on Friday, the guys we had on the field, the sub that we, as you said, that we already made for Justin Miram coming in. Um, I, I, I just don't, I can't agree. Tony Neitzel says, you know, it should have been Heinemann subbed for Barco, but to me, Heinemann, I, I just can't see taking out two box to box midfielders or taking out one of them and pushing the pace that much. I mean, we've already been exposed and, and scored against how many occasions? You know, four, right? Yeah. At that point, we had given up four goals. Granted, three of them were in the field to play or run a play. One was a PK, but I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you risk it. You risk it to come back, maybe. Maybe that's the that's the mindset. Yeah, he's saying we're chasing the game. We were, but at the same time, we were per, like we were pressuring and we were pushing and we were we were making chances. I mean, if Gressel doesn't inexplicably pass that ball off to Joseph, which was such a strange decision to me, then this is all a non like this is yeah. a non talking point, right? I mean, it, to an extent, it is because of the spat or whatever the 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 look on Petey's face and he and DeBoer not. 
But it's also kind of other. a snake eating its own tail in that the more people talk about it and perpetuate those decisions, it's going to just add fuel to the fire and get yeah. inside of both of their heads that this is somehow bigger than what it really is or needed to be, which is that the coach put an alternative player in that he thought in the moment was going to give them a better opportunity to win. And that was not necessarily the wrong decision. It was his decision to make. Yeah. It doesn't mean that pity no longer has a role on this team. No, it's just in that circumstance. I think in that formation, uh, I just don't think with, with the lack of defense, you have three back. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I don't see where it makes sense to take out your midfield. The one thing I do, the one thing I will acknowledge, which I had, I didn't think about it until just now, which was that I, I forget who, who mentioned it, that, um, Barco should have come in for Heinemann. And I think that in hindsight, maybe that was the right call because of the defensive playmaking ability that Barco gives you because he is such a lateral play. He's always tracking back and, and moving forward. Whereas pity is more pity. Doesn't track back more than he really has to. And, and that's not to say that he doesn't, but that he wasn't asked to play a lot of defense in river plate. And he doesn't, he's not known for being a defensive midfielder here. There's nothing against him. However, Barco seems to be this jack of all trades and just a burst of energy when he comes on the field, which is a lot of what Miggy did for us too, was he was this player that was nonstop for 90 minutes and moved the ball when everybody else on the, t on the field was gassed somehow. And that's what Barco consistently gives this team, both defensively and offensively. So from that standpoint, maybe Pity should have, could have, would have stayed on and Barco comes in for a Heinemann or something like you that. Because you saw what, what, what Barco was able to do off of the counter on that on that corner kick. Oh, yeah. He, he was able to, from the backfield, be able to push up that exactly. way. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it's tough. I, I don't envy the, the, the position that Frank DeBoer's in because I think in... I think he's just a catch twenty two situation. It for him. definitely is, especially with if the he way doesn't, everything's if he been played. If he doesn't play PD for the ninety minutes, somehow, somehow it's it's, it's, it's an insidious issue. and it's his if, ego. If and, he plays him for the ninety minutes and he doesn't show out, then then, then it's yeah. Frank DeBoer out. Yeah, I thought the Justin Miram sub um, wasn't bad. I thought no, that he, I thought it, was the right I mean, he forced call. the own goal. He he had a couple. Uh, he had a couple of great opportunities yeah. up there, and the link up play on the left side was great. I think what's what's really suffering right now is our defense and our defensive identity. And maybe that plays to some of LGP's frustrations is because every other week he's having to play with a new person over on that left side. And that's got to be really struggle. That, that has to be a struggle for him yeah. defensively because every player is going to position themselves within this formation differently. And he's going to have to track back overlap and cover those players differently based on their tendencies to move farther forward or farther back or more centrally or whatever it may be. Um, and he's having to pick up a lot of that slack more so than most, I would say, because he's the next man up from the left back position. Yeah. I mean, to Brian's point, he said, this is only the second, really the second game we've been playing a, uh, uh, three back, but um, now I get what you're saying. I mean, I, I, I think it goes tough, beyond yeah. three or four back. It's it's who, left wing back, left back. I'm saying for all intents and purposes, you're talking about the same position 
whenever a player's running down that left side. Somebody's got to cover them, and you don't want LGP being the lone man out there, which leaves the the center back completely exposed. So your left wing back has to track back a little bit further to cover that man. And ideally LGP is providing some overlap there. If that's, if that's uh, Michael Parkhurst, that's one skill set and one tendency to track a player. If it's Pogba, it's a different one. If it's Breck Shea, it's a different one. You know, he's been the person that's had to react the most to changing people directly adjacent to him and how it all fits into this strategy and lineup throughout I mean, Miles, the course Miles of the Robinson's season. been steady, right? Well, that's because he's got two steady players on either side of him. That's not, that doesn't take anything against Miles Robinson. I don't want to, I don't want to frame it that way. What I mean to say is that Miles Robinson hasn't had to react to a lot of change-ups to the periphery around, like his peripheral players. Well, how, that many, are different, how many, how many different partners has he had at center back? He's had LGP. LGP keeps getting, Keeps getting suspended. Yeah. Franco Escobar keeps getting suspended. He's having to deal with having Fra- uh, Gressel on the right, having Pogba slide in, have, have Parker slide in. Um, yeah, it's. I, I like to go to Clayton Poss's question. He said, Do we think Bella is going to be able to come into this? Uh, into this final third of games and produce at an all-star caliber as no. an all-star caliber left back, or do we need to go after one and or go get one in the transfer window? I think you need to do something in the transfer window. Absolutely. Yeah, and this team doesn't rest on its Franco laurels. Escobar does not need to be over there. No, um, this team doesn't sit on its hands. I mean, we Franco we, Escobar gets lost in this lineup at left back. Yeah, it's not to say that he doesn't have any defensive playmaking ability. Sure, he comes up and makes plenty of stops, but. His ability at right back is to track all the way up and track all the way back and, and make consistent plays with crosses or, or back up to Julian Gressel on that right side. That that all but disappears on the left side. Yeah. I want to go back to what uh, Brian, Brian in, in response to, um, I think it was Kendrick Brock talking about the hustle of uh, Barco, just defending, defending PD saying, I haven't seen a player push as much as PD has for what's basically been the whole season. Um. Yeah, I, I don't think it's that. And and to Bill Holcomb's point, he says, uh, you know, I, if people think PD doesn't want it as much and isn't hustling and trying to contribute, the no, that's definitely not what I'm saying. No, I, I don't want that to be the case. That I, that I that I say that he's not making an effort or that he's not doing, um, you know, he's not contributing in any way or that he's a terrible player or anything like that. But the fact of the matter is, is that sometimes players are better fits in a system. And yeah, right it, now, it, it, I yeah. think that Barco has been a superior player. If you have to compare the two in the starting lineup and rotation. Yeah. And to Brian's point, he's saying he's not, he's not saying he's hustling defensively either. I mean that he's pressing and trying too hard to make stuff happen. Okay. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he does, he does have a tendency to do that. But at the same time, again, Julian Gressel lays that ball off to Joseph. If he I don't doesn't, know what, why? How many times has he scored running in untouched on that angle on the right side? He, 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 he was committed to laying that off before the ball even got to him. You can see just in his, in his body positioning that he was committed to laying that off to Joseph no matter what happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, and to Brian's point, he said he had, he said he got off the couch whenever that happened. He said he haven't had a he hasn't had a WTF moment like that in a while. I feel like I did, probably did the same thing. Like I, it was inexplicable. Like it really was. We we were pushing. We were we had so many chances towards the end of that game, and for him to just fluff that like that was just 
it was so disappointing because we should have come a, uh, come away with that with one point at the end of that game. Yeah, because I felt like we deserved it as much as as much as we didn't deserve it in the whatever that eleven minute stretch was or twelve minute stretch wherever we gave up those goals. The rest of the game, I didn't feel like we were out of control of much. Brad Guzan came up with a couple of really, yeah, really yeah, good Yeah, that's true. At the saves. end of the game. He had to come up with a couple of saves yeah. in that game. That I've seen a lot of Guzan haters. and hey, I, If you want to find it, in this fan base, there's somebody that hates every person in the lineup. Whether it's, I mean, there, there's somebody and always has been somebody that thinks that Joseph Martinez is doing something wrong or isn't doing enough. So same thing goes with Brad Guzan and that's not to compare Brad Guzan to Joseph Martinez, but he had a hell of a game and reminds you why you've got him back there this past week. I mean, yeah. Aside the, the one goal he lets in cause he's obstructed by miles Robinson. Yeah. I mean, he literally can't see the ball. You get the PK, which is a coin toss. The, what were the other two offsides? Yeah, that's right. That's right. You have the the tracking, which is a fucking gorgeous shot, by the way, to go inside post like that yeah. and cut him like they did. And then what was the other one? Offside. Both of them were offside? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he has a couple of great fingertip saves in that game, which keep you in it and make it less than a 7-3 game. I brought this up to you on Friday, or maybe it was Saturday. I think my bigger concern right now is less the, the relationship of Petey Martinez and, and Frank DeBoer and more the relationship of Joseph Martinez and Frank DeBoer. Because this is the second game in four that after scoring a goal or I guess Petey scored against, um, against Seattle where Iyer has been directed towards the bench from our own players. Yeah. Namely, Joseph Martinez. Yeah. And... It's troubling. Um, it's it's definitely troubling that Joseph looks unsettled. Yeah. It's it's one thing for player coach to have a little, you know, the the sensationalized spat between between Petey and and Frank DeBoer is one thing, but to have a have a Atlanta United veteran, yes, somehow lumped into that is who's still scoring on like a like yeah. a goal record setting pace. Yeah. Or what close to it, close yeah. to what he was doing last year, and for him to be that frustrated and that upset to be swearing up and down at his has at his bench yeah has anybody actually tracked what all he's been saying because i know that you oh, said yeah. yeah i don't know I, I think there was uh, a puta madre put in there somewhere uh in the seattle game but yeah. other than that i don't know if, i don't know i haven't really tried to do the lip reading but i'm just more concerned with the body language and the yelling at the at the it's almost like what what are you doing we're score like just i don't know it, it He's obviously frustrated at the the style of play or the tactics that Frank's been deploying. And it's almost like, I'm scoring in spite of you. Well, that sometimes is a great motivator for people, too. Yeah. DeBerton Boise says, uh, winning cures everything. Definitely does. And this team, I don't know. I don't know what the problem is, man. I really don't. But the the thing is, I don't we're, think there is that are, much of a problem. We're, we're poised to be first in the fucking East. <laughs> We gotta have something to talk about, though. Like, we were talking just a couple of weeks ago about how I don't know, man. It's it's very troubling to me that we we are on track to be first in the East and first or second in the East, definitely top three right now. Um, 
especially if recent trends hold. Dude, all things considered, if I would have told you at the beginning of the year, yeah, we finished in third or top three. Yeah. Are you disappointed by that? Not at all. Yeah. Like, when's it enough? No, we got to win again. That's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> that is an unreal. It is an unrealistic expectation by this front office if that's being imposed on them. No, or the I, I don't. Base. No, I don't think that's a goal either. I think Frank DeBoer came in with what a four-year plan, whatever it is, and I'd say right now. Um, yeah, I mean, to Bill Holcomb's point, he said, "Can you imagine how this fan base would be if we had a few, uh, had several years like Orlando?" Jesus Christ, man! They're about to make the fifth year, fifth consecutive year out of the playoffs. <laughs> I will say my favorite thing. I love my one of my favorite things to do on Twitter is to is to inevitably wait for an Orlando fan to put their foot in their mouth. Oh yeah, which happens all the time, and then just screen cap Unprompted. it, screen yeah. cap it, and sit on it. Just let it let it marinate. Which is exactly what happened this past weekend. I forget who it was that tweeted it out going into July about how Orlando's won three of their past five with a across all competitions with a goal differential or four of their last five, whatever it was, with a goal differential on aggregate of fourteen to two or some shit. And I said, "That's great. That's against the two of the worst teams in the league. Somebody that's without their starters and a respectable team in third place. I think it was Houston at the time or something like that." I said, let's see how it goes in July against the best. And they end up finishing like they win one out of seven matches in July. In, in July. They had a couple of draws in there, but it, it's just that's that is one of my favorite things. Like the guy last year was like, see you in October, bro. <laughs> and, no, you won't. In May. No, and you I won't. sat on it for six months just to post it. The the day you, you the, stink, you baited that. <laughs> definitely, well, did. there was every, a six month stink period. Every couple of weeks would go by, and I would just I would find it in my photos. Like, yep, still, still there. there. Just can't wait. That's why you were keeping that old ass phone. <laughs> he's got a cracked screen. His phone won't charge. He's got that picture though. He's got that picture. Yeah. Um, any word on when Tito's going to be back? I don't think so. Um. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea when Tito is going to be back. Bello should be back this weekend. Uh, in the eighteen, he should be in the eighteen. I think Did he this play with weekend. The twos? I think he's going to play with the twos before he gets an R eight. Okay, all right. I would think because the twos need him. Good God. Yeah. Have you? Have you? I mean, I haven't been following it religiously. I just kind of check in <laughs> on him every now and then. Yeah, I, the fan, you're talking about a fan base turning on a team. <laughs> wow. I don't know what everybody expected, though. I get it that you're wow. upset. Wow. I get it. Up, you're, you're upset if you have season tickets to the twos or you go there uh, on a regular basis and you want to go watch them. Um, but wow. the goal of that team is not to win a USL championship. The goal of that team is to get guys playing time. Yeah, but if if the goal is that the guys are getting playing time, <laughs> that you would expect them to be developing in a manner that would be sufficient to play yeah. with Atlanta United, which is I think so Bri- bad. Brian's alluding to what I see in terms of the fan base tweet or turning on the the twos. He said, "I just know how they how they're doing based off of thin plot tweets <laughs> off of ATL trains." Yeah, that guy. <laughs> Does not Ugh. does not like the way that that team is Ugh. being managed. That, that dude doesn't like a lot of things. Good riddance. My God. At a certain point. Yeah. Tony Knight. Are you a fan even? I mean. Tony Knight's being a realist saying we're not far from the drop line too. How far are we from the drop? 
uh, playoff spots? Um, I don't know. Last I checked, we were in 15th. That was two weeks ago, and then I saw that they lost this past weekend. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm talking about um, the, let's see. So we are 36 points, and we are four points from the drop. You're right, Tony. I mean, I mean, we're four points away from Toronto. Talk about, there, and then the two comeback stories of the year. New England's in sixth right now, and, and San Jose's in, what, fourth? Yeah. Fifth? And yeah. Yeah, just talk about resurgence and like phoenix rising from the ashes yeah, yeah. san jose's in yeah. fourth right now they're the hottest team in the in the west um storylines to watch in the east tweeted it out philly i'm not I'm looking slowly good yeah. coming around yeah i don't think they're gonna hold out man no they i, I really I'm, I'm very i'm very um pessimistic on their ability to, to maintain that first position after seeing recent weeks of play um nycfc which you mentioned has three games in hand on everybody and new england holy shit dude 11 yeah. straight 12 11 11 consecutive i wins yeah. or 11 11 consecutive undefeated um if you take out non-mls play i think it's 12 12 consecutive in mls i think that's how it works out but anyway yeah holy shit yeah Three, those are three teams that are definitely going to shake things up in the East in one manner or another, whether it's Philly falling, um, New England rising, and how far, and obviously NYCFC, what they managed to do with those three games is going to – I mean, they're in the best position right now to take first from Atlanta. So, And, and I don't really know what their remaining lineup is and how favorable that looks on them. It's kind of weird to think that the state the season's coming to a close. Counted the other night, we've only got six more home games left. Yeah, it is crazy. Yeah, yeah. We're what do we play? Thirty four games. Mm-hmm. We have twelve left. Eleven. Eleven. Yep. Man, five more away losses. Yeah. How are you guys feeling about uh? How are you feeling about LA Galaxy on Saturday? I'm feeling a lot better now. No Zlatan, as you mentioned, I think Araujo. Even, or... even watching, I mean, it's always nice that you've got a team coming in off of a loss with their lineup depleted and being able to watch game footage of how you can expose them. And Atlanta's in that position to do so. As long as nobody gets hurt Wednesday. Yeah. Nobody pull a Greg Garza. <laughs> Muscle injuries? Yeah. That's when he... Injured his shoulder that first year, remember? Oh, in the eight. Yeah, yeah, that's right. In the All-Star game. God. Hopefully we have our guys, like, faking injuries to get out of the game on on, how, uh, on Wednesday. How fun was that to see Joseph in the purple? Wasn't that cool? I actually didn't even see it. Yeah. Really great. <laughs> They'd only wish, right? Or yeah. they can only wish for a player of his caliber. Um I could care, I could not care less about the game Saturday. Am I optimistic? Yes. <laughs> Next Wednesday is my focus right now. Everybody, Stephen Reed said, no, not cool. Talking about seeing him in the purple. <laughs> um, and Brian saying disgusting. Okay, so I want to get back to the LAFC game. I know we, we don't like to talk about things we can't control, but uh, Degen Trench 
uh, first first time I've seen that that name in the trap. Thank you yeah, for sure. uh, for tuning in. We did get robbed. I feel like, granted, I saw some conspiracy theories about like, do you think that the players, do you think the LAFC players know about the cameras? And like how bad the angles are. That's so stupid. There's no way that a player in a full sprint is going to have that kind of awareness to know. No, but but that said, like that is so ridiculous. They've soccer soccer specific. Like they got to fix the sight lines of those cameras because yeah. If that's why is there not a top down camera? I well, are you talking about getting like a one of those? uh, I want one of the fucking football cameras. (laughs) You think this league can afford that camera system? Who gives a shit? Do it. Get drone footage, but seriously, we should have a helicopter hovering over the whole stadium (laughs) the entire time. I seriously don't know why they can't do something like that. You know, my thought has always been a top down would be awesome. Um, oh god, Michelle brought up a better point. Like, who had a worse night, PD, Frank DeBoer, Brad Guzan, or the ball boy? Because the ball boys were fucking terrible on Friday. <laughs> my favorite part was when uh, L- my favorite part was when LGP goes running out onto the field holding the ball. He's like, "Oh, there's another one on the field." Just has to like throw it down real quick. Oh God! Yeah, so Kendrick says GoPros are cheap. Put one every seven yards opposite the AR on the side. Dude, sidelines. fuck that! Put one on every player's head. Let's do it. Oh, you're right, Steve- Stephen Reed. So Stephen Reed brings up a great point. He says ball boys because. Um, there, it wasn't the same one that was screwing us the entire time. It's like a concerted effort. <laughs> Put on my tinfoil hat. Either that or they just got to do a better job of vetting ball boys before games. You know, it, it's, it isn't an easy job. I'll, I'll give them that. But they do get to walk out with the players or whatever or hang out with the players. That's, that's payment enough. You got to yeah. be good at your job. Yeah. You got to be good at your job. Not screw us. Not throw. Th- there were three balls on the field at one time. There were three. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, Clayton Boss says LAFC is bringing the same ball boys every game. What do you mean? Not just that. What about Draymond Green at the end of the game? Just get the fuck up. <laughs> you don't hear that loud and clear is like whoa. Uh, yeah, you just hear the like, look get, up. Get the fuck out my face! No, I was like, I'm talking about whenever. No, no I know, but yeah. but uh, Diamande said that too. Yeah. Like you can hear him. Oh like, yeah, it was just like a yeah. It was it was ridiculous, um, but you, that game, those the PK is that a PK to you? No, I contact is made. I saw the argument that the PK is actually called on Miles Robinson, but I don't see where the contact was enough to be warranted a PK by what contact Miles Robinson made. It seemed to me that the contact that was made was. Who was that, Nagby, that clipped his foot? Or was that Escobar? Or maybe uh, it was LGP? Escobar. It was yeah. Escobar. It was, it was the, the person that got his right foot, which was outside of the 18, that really drew it. I don't – I still that's, – yeah. that's outside of the box, hands down. I don't I – don't, I, I think my biggest issue with it is that it was close enough to me that it at least warranted a review, as the same goes for the offside call. And for the field judge to not even go – look at it that's that's the bigger issue to me it's not that we didn't get the call it's that he just didn't even go look at it that seems that trying to be objective here it's hard to be because obviously we have a vested interest in it but seems like the it seems like those calls would have some validity in being reviewed in my opinion yeah are we doing this i am because it's it's bothering my glasses Okay. It's glasses, like glasses. Yeah. I can't see without his glasses. 
Where are his glasses? <laughs> it's just bothering my ears. Um, Taylor Twelman was going off about that that penalty call. He was, he was like, "This is not a penalty." He's like, "He's outside the box." It's yeah. it, the contact where the contact happens outside the box. Yeah. But regardless, like I've seen Josh Bagrianski, who who we were hoping to have on tonight at the scheduling conflicts, talk about how the um, Joseph gets away with this all the time and people laud it. But I don't think those you can't justify it that way. Like, yeah, the the referee needs to do better regardless. The game right. that he's talking about, whatever it was against Houston, where we won that PK, or it wasn't against Houston. Who did we play last Saturday at home or last S- Sunday at home? It wasn't Seattle. It was um, I'm crazy. DC, Houston? DC, DC. Yeah. yeah, the PK that we got against DC, right? Yeah. Then he skied it anyway. Oh, yeah. But still, like, he should have been awarded a penalty, yeah. a justified penalty pr- earlier on in the game. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't see how it's a penalty. It needs to be reviewed. And then the, there was – it's one of those goals, at least, was clear and obvious to me offside. If you're going to award a penalty, I almost feel like that has to be reviewed no matter what. Right. It's like all – I thought all goal scoring – I thought. I guess. I guess at that point, I, I I agree with the. I agree with not going back and then awarding the PK. That's what I've always tried to stand by. Is that if it's a PK, you have to at least make the call that it's a PK. But then you use VAR to validate it. Yeah. Not don't call anything. Then use VAR to award one, unless it's a handball or something like that. The thing that's tricky is trying to unearth intent or whatever foul play whenever yeah. you're looking at something at you know frame by frame versus that which was, i mean it's not even that the, there was contact it was clearly contact but it was outside of the box which is my point so i don't know i mean if you're if you're if you're looking at and that was the point i made to you the other night is like if you're looking at hypotheticals and things that got in our way that we couldn't control. One of the things that we also couldn't control that went in our favor was that they scored an own goal, you know, and, and that's the same kind of thing. It's kind of a, I mean, how many own goals get scored in a season? Not very yeah. many, you know, you get, you get screwed over by the ref a hell of a lot more than you get awarded an own goal. So even if you take away all of the, what the fucks you and, and all of the chances and, and the way that the game that played out, Atlanta's defense was dominated for the better part of that game, and I think you still ultimately end up with a, a very similar result. It's yeah. like the the two two game that we had against Red Bulls. Um, was it two two or was it three three? Can't remember. I think two, it was two two. two. Yeah. yeah, you know where the officiating had such a heavy hand in that game. I think ultimately the the fair and just result came out of that game that neither team was head and shoulders above the other, and it was ultimately dictated by the refs in a very uh, aggressive match where the players got in their own heads and, and things got a little chippier than they needed to be. I think same thing can be said for LAFC. I think LAFC was ultimately the better team. Regardless of what happened with the officiating and own goal, I think LAFC was deservedly the winner of that match. And for it to we'll be see a one again. goal difference is the right call. We'll see him again this season. Oh, yeah. I think um, so. Tony Neitzel says uh, we're not going to have LGP for oh. Galaxy. Correct. Oh, I like this. I like this question by Clayton. Uh, our supporters section or LAFC? It's tough, man. Not for me, it's not. No? No. Is it LAFC for yeah. you? I, I think the optics of it, We were, Angie and I were talking about it Friday whenever we were watching. I was like, this is just, it's insane. 
but at the same time, it's safe standing. It's widespread as opposed to tall, yeah. and it's in a smaller environment. Yeah. So it does seem more ruckus because of that. I think just because of the concentration of it. But I honestly would not. Well, you. Can I'm not hear trying to be a homer, but like match. Yeah, that's true. That was the thing that that shook me is that over the past year, especially, I feel like the Atlanta fan base and their involvement for the full ninety. And I hate to say it. We saw it dwindle in the in the early ongoings of the season, where attendance and enthusiasm dwindled, and their involvement dwindled. The Houston and, game, the top was kind of empty for the yeah, Houston game. I feel yeah. like, and, um, and there's moments where they get involved, but you know, I think rightfully there's some criticism to be had there that it's not a a full engage, fully engaged, uh, orchestrated effort that comes up with unique or interesting. I mean. LAFC has a lot of the recycled chants just like we do. And you heard them on display there, but the fact that you could hear them for the full 90 minutes and there was no hesitation about it. And I think some of that's also maybe how the stadium is organized. And like you said, the sort of the layout of it, but also, you know, it doesn't go as high up. It's safe. Some stadiums allow smoke, which I think has an inherent amount of atmosphere associated with it too. Um, I think that Atlanta's fan base and supporter culture is in the upper echelons of maybe TIFOs and and maybe pre-match stuff. Um, But as far as just the supporter section, LAFC is, I think they're right up there at the top right now. As far as just, you know, seeing it on TV and seeing what they've managed to do. Yeah, and I think they do a, they do a good job like the cauldron in, in Kansas city where I think it's one, I think it's a bunch of different SGs that are all kind of organized under one umbrella. You know what was really interesting to me as far as the LAFC group wasn't so much our match against them. It was the antics that they put on for El Trafico. Did you hear about this? No. LAFC supporters went to the Galaxy match wearing all camo. Oh, geez. And then somebody asked them why... All of them were wearing camo, and they said it's because we're infiltrating and we're taking over. <laughs> like <laughs> that is some fucking guerrilla warfare shit that I can get on board with. Like that, uh, yeah. that is awesome. Yeah, that, that is, is fucking. That's, that's that cool. is that is an organized front in supporter culture against a rival that you're you're clearly showing up and, and looking awesome week in and week out. But to do something like that was pretty fucking great to hear and see. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Clayton Paw saying we don't have anywhere close enough to do that. Yeah. Next year, true. Nashville. Next year, Nashville. <laughs> Man, you might wear some camo up in Nashville and, uh, and go hunting and fishing. Go afterwards. hunting, yeah. yeah. Uh, go, bag me a, go bag me a bear while I'm drinking a beer. Damn right. Going uh. bear hunting. Uh, who do we see for LGP? Pogba, Parkhurst. Pogba. Parkhurst. Parkhurst? Yeah. Pogba's not ready yet, you don't think? I don't know that he's not ready. I just, I think, I think you've got to ease him back in. Yeah. So I think he might get a little bit of play time, but I don't think he's starting. I mean, you saw him go out back to back weeks with the same issue. Clearly not ready to start right now for this team. Um, not skill wise, just <laughs> stamina endurance. Got to wear that camo to keep the fish from seeing Damn right. You, you got to be quiet too in the boat. You don't want to spook him. Uh, I go bass hunting. Yeah. I use a harpoon gun. No, I use a 22. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I watched that Mythbusters episode where they pretty much debunked that you could shoot people underwater. What do you mean? 
So if you're outside the water, yeah, the way that bullets break up, it like once it hits the water tension, uh huh, the the acceleration of that bullet drops so dramatically, it pretty much like they were using pretty high powered rifles and can barely break through right. like skin. So I see what you're saying. But I'm going to tell you another story about my cousin Greg. <laughs> no, 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 who decided, no, 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 Who decided to take a shit in a public swimming pool at their apartment complex. And as everyone frantically tried to get away from him, he decided to go ape shit, as it were, where, which is where I think the term originates. <laughs> in so much that he, he took his own, his own shit and started throwing it at those that were in the pool. <laughs> And in a in a and in a sort of saving Private Ryan way, <laughs> his brother, my cousin Chris, describes it as going underwater, and you just see the poop bullets just <laughs> zipping through. Guys are coming up for air, just. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I, I don't know. I think MythBusters may be um, putting the cart before the horse a little bit. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. You got to do your homework. (laughs) 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 Soldier County Pool is never the same again. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) I think you turn everybody off. Yep, there goes all of the viewers. All just dropping off. As Uh, Michelle said, it's 9 p.m. right on time. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) What are you expecting from the LAFC game? Um, From the LAFC game? Or, sorry, LA Galaxy game, sorry. Saturday, we go in shorthanded uh, LA Galaxy team, shorthanded in defense for um, for <laughs> our defense. LGP's out. They don't have Zlatan, so maybe uh, that's a push there. Um, don't want to push too hard. Don't. Story I just told. <laughs> <laughs> I used to joke about that, like, <laughs> my last day on the job as an RA in college. What I was going to do is I was going to lock myself in the community center bathroom at, like, 3 a.m. Did you ever... And, uh, no. I remember my RA coming in after a late night of drinking. We're all just in a room with the dorm door open. You just hear the water running, but it wasn't like a, like the shower was on. It was just, like, a slow trickle. Going to the bathroom, Ari is just standing there, like half standing there, half leaning on the wall to support himself because his other hand is occupied with the pizza, <laughs> just <laughs> peeing in the shower. <laughs> he loses his job. Which, which brings up another point that I forgot to tell you what happened to me a couple of a couple of weeks ago. Um, I like to think that you can you can tell a lot of, about a person based on what's the old saying? Like you can. Who who a person is, is is how they act when other people aren't looking. Yeah. What's the one place that you don't look at somebody else as a guy? Is whenever you're you're standing at a urinal. Yeah, that's why I say the guy who invented urinal dividers needs a Nobel Prize. Right. Yeah. Because because and well, even whenever there's not a urinal, every guy, you know, it's it's company policy. You, you stand up, you, you you get in front of the wall, and you do not. You do not break that line of sight from that wall, and you almost have to close your eyes whenever you turn around just to just to get out of there. Um, a couple weeks ago, I was at a urinal, and and a guy came in, and no, you can normally see things out of your peripheral vision. You know, he comes up to the stall next to me, and I noticed that 
there was a certain illumination <laughs> where he's he's on his phone as as he's as he's as he's going to the bathroom at the stall, which is impressive enough. But then apparently he couldn't do what he needed to do with one hand, and he had to take the other <laughs> hand off the steering wheel. It just goes rogue while he's still clearly he is clearly still peeing because my audible sense is still working. I can hear him <laughs> peeing, but he is completely out of control. You can't help but wonder what other kind of decisions this man is making in his life. <laughs> uh. That he's just like the self control that you must have. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. <laughs> Sorry, it's just a little aside. Yeah. That I meant, uh, to, I I love, meant to tell you about it. And I completely yeah. forgot. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate you <laughs> telling me that live on air. Um, Michelle says she's never drinking white claw. <laughs> well, this is truly. Elliot um, <laughs> Beaven says love smoothies, and Stephen Reed, my favorite thing, saying phrasing, <laughs> love smoothies. All right, go ahead. Um, what are your score predictions going into Saturday? Obviously, we're going to be out of the game, right? You're going to be there 4 o'clock Saturday? No, I'm not going to be there Saturday. Oh, you're not going to be there Saturday? Yeah. Okay. Um, what are your score predictions then? Score prediction, 2-1 Atlanta. You think we give up a goal? Yes. With this defense, I have not seen a defense that's will, capable of a shutout since before the international I'm break. just curious to see how much... Especially with the lineup changes. How much James O'Connor uses Barco and uses Petey on, yeah. on Wednesday and how much he runs them into the ground, if at all. Um, knowing that they're coming out playing against Atletico Madrid, knowing that they want to show out. I mean, it's, it's weird because in most aspects, a all-star game is just all pomp and circumstance. There's no defense being played like NBA all-star game. or um, and it, it mostly doesn't mean anything. But to some of these players, for Barco and, and Petey to be able to showcase themselves against Atletico Madrid, even if it's probably a shorthanded Atletico Madrid, them being able to showcase that, it's kind of a tryout or, or like a showcase so that you know they can maybe get picked up in a transfer. And, and, and it, it would behoove us to have both of them move on at some point. Um, you know, it's always when do you think that two-edged is? sword. You, you said I, that this past weekend. You think that we're losing... Quite a few players going into next year. Yeah, right? yeah. I think next season, you know, I was I was a little dramatic and um, I was a little I was overreacting. You had a knee jerk reaction. Yes, I had a very very much a knee jerk reaction. An impulsive on Friday reaction. night after seeing just how toxic it seems the relationship between both Frank DeBoer and Petey has gotten. That I wouldn't be surprised if at some point it's one or the other while there's still time in the transfer window. Looking back, I don't know that that's going to happen this year, but I see I think next season you're going to see Joseph gone. I think, you know, he's going to accomplish everything he needs he's to. He's got a 5-year deal though, right? He does, but at the same time, you think somebody's all, all going to buy him out of it. But all that does is warrant a bigger transfer fee. You know, he's finishing his third season. I think we get the 100% of the profit now. Um after getting after um, procuring his his services if, back if, in two thousand, if your inclinations that he's upset and frustrated are true, I, I tend to agree with you. Yeah, I think I think Joseph I think Joseph is gone. I think Petey's gone next year. I think Barco is going to be gone. Um, I feel like I said somebody else to you, and I can't remember who it is. Oh, Nagby, Nagby's going to be gone. I think yeah, Nagby's going... a given in my opinion. I think Nagby's gone. Um, 
you know, I think Nagby and Joseph. Bill's just trying to figure out how do we go from Kevin family time back to uh, <laughs> hardcore transfer talk. This is this is what it's like being in my social circle. You get a you get a real glimpse yeah. into it. Um, it's the it's the mind of a manic depressive. Michelle is saying this is depressing. I this is think... this is the mind of a manic depressive. Yeah, <laughs> this is what you. This is what it is. You get to look inside of what happens to me on a daily basis. Blame Kevin. He brought it up. You're welcome. The. <laughs> I don't think it's I think there is a bright side to look um you could look on the bright side of those transfers, right? They're going to bring in a lot of money. They're going to free up spots. They're going to free up 3 DP spots. I I know so Elliot's saying the same thing you did about just um I don't think Pity's gone about Joseph just signing a big uh, deal, but at the same time that happens all the time. Well, you see that, and all that does is again procure a, a bigger a transfer this, fee. I think a lot of this is also dependent on what happens in the postseason. That's true. If Atlanta United goes deep into you're, the postseason, you're telling you, okay, so you're telling me in three seasons, Joseph accomplishes what he's accomplished. If he gets all the way, and we let's say we win another another MLS Cup, there's nothing left for him to do. Yeah, well, there's nothing really left for him to do after last year either. It's true. I, I don't know, but. Again, his frustration that I keep. What I mean is that if we wash out in the first game of the playoffs, I agree with you. If we go into the quarterfinals, you know, if we go to the Eastern Conference championship or something, yeah. I think he sticks around. Nagby, I think, is a given. Barco, I think, is a given. Pity's interesting just because of the economics of it. I think that's the one that's troubling the most there. Right, because we'd only have a year invested. We. MLS takes such a large cut of what we get, and we are ha- we have such a high dollar amount associated and invested in yeah. him. That is such a huge loss for what you expect to be a huge profit. Conceivably, a a uh, let's put it this way: I can see where a a a sale of pity prematurely before he reaches a a capital investment market value that equates to something substantial that the success of the development and the, the investment kickback for both Miguel Almarone and Ezekiel Barco is completely nullified. Like that is, that is a very real situation that you could end up being in is that if you take that much of a loss on a player just to get rid of them because you've put that much into them and they're not really living up to what you expect, that it completely wipes any profit that you made off of two huge player signings and, and net positives that you had and you're back to square one and you haven't really made the team anything as a result of that. And that's not a position that you want to be over the long, in over the long term, especially three years in. So from that standpoint, unless something happens in a big way over the next 12 to 13, 14 weeks with pity, I think he's still here next year is my gut reaction because I mean, he's got a multi-year deal, right? It's not yeah. just a one year deal. No. So, you know, I, I don't think that now what may happen is you, you may see him go on a loan. I, I don't necessarily, yeah. I think, I think a loan is a much more viable financial option for the team because if they're clearly not getting anything out of him from a week to week standpoint, and that's not to say that that's always going to be the case, but 
if if recent trends hold and he's still in that position at the end of the season, you know, uh, alone makes more financial sense because maybe he can develop somewhere else where that role, like what he clearly was very successful at River Plate. You know, if you loan him to a team that can implement him and and showcase him in a manner that he ends up selling for a higher market value, you can still get some sort of financial uh, earning back from it without just having to sell him to get rid of him. Yeah. So I think that's a much more viable option. Well, I want Petey here for all three years. Yeah, yeah. I think that he has a lot to prove. I think that he is improving constantly. And I think that he's just getting his feet wet in MLS, and I think he's going to be a good player. Um, and he already is kind of a good player so far. I mean, it, it's just a little inconsistent whenever it um, whenever it comes to his performances recently. Um, so Michelle's asking, where would Joseph go? He didn't like Europe, and I can't imagine him going to another MLS team. Bill said Joseph could go to Mexico. The other option is they have um, – the deepest pockets probably of anybody, but it, we just saw, I don't know if you saw Gareth Bale from Real Madrid China. was, yeah, but that deal got, it, yeah. it fell through, yeah. but he was poised to make 1 million yeah. pounds a week. Yeah. That's crazy. We've seen, we've seen, I've seen a lot of, um, a lot of good players in their mid twenties to late twenties, make the jump to China and make a ton of money. Yeah. They go to secure that, that future for their family. They've won things in other leagues. And, you know, that could be another option. Again, I don't want Joseph to go. If he wants to be here for the full five years of his deal, I want him here for all of that. I've, the man makes this team go. But at the same time, I'm trying to be – I'm maybe more of a pessimist and less of a realist, but I'm trying to be a realist and thinking that knowing how soccer works, especially whenever you're a feeder team, I have to prepare for that inevitability that he's not going to be here for the rest of his career, I don't think. I know he didn't have a good time in Torino and in Italy for the whatever two years that he was there, but it's been three years. You could probably you know wipe the taste out of his mouth from that or wash the taste out of his mouth and apply his trade in England or apply his trade in, in Spain. I mean, the possibility's there. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I definitely expect to not have Nagby or, or Barco next year. Yeah, I think especially if Barco has a good showing – the remainder of the season, which you fully expect him to, and he stays healthy, I think he's a prime candidate to go on and, and make the team some money back. I wonder what it. the what the tariffs are like trading if we were to sell <laughs> Joseph to a Chinese team, <laughs> right? I mean, I don't know. It's I don't think about it's, that. It's different for incoming versus outgoing products, <laughs> so that would really be a tariff on us, not on them. Mm. True. So. And everything I know about the tariff war, the price really gets forced back on the consumer. So it would really be the people – it would be the, so the founding members is... of that team that would have to foot the bill for it, not us. Yeah. That's how you win the tariff war. That's why founding member prices keep going up. Oh, shots it's, fired. It's because of NAFTA. Dude, and, and all the, in the in the South American pipeline, guys, we gotta go. It's because of NAFTA in the South American pipeline. I'm not talking about this. That's why our season ticket prices keep going up. We're in a fucking trade war, dude. Oh god. Good thing next year's an election season. Am I right? <laughs> Hashtag DeBoer out. <laughs> guys, we've run the gamut of controversial things tonight. And, <laughs> DeBoer and disgusting things. DeBoer Trout. Pirlo's ready to leave. He's uh, walking towards the door right False. now. Um, Anything else? What time is it? Wrapping it up? It's quarter after nine. All right. After that 10-minute debacle of mm. people not being able to hear us because of... Uh, because of you. Yep, because of me. me. 
Not you tried be- to put that evil on me. You tried yeah. to blame it on You went so quick to it being my fault. <laughs> you wasted no time. You're going to get us a copyright notice on YouTube. <laughs> Jacoby Shaddix is all over it right now. <laughs> oh. I will say, I unabashedly loved that song uh, in eighth grade whenever it came out. Or seventh grade, whatever it was. Will you be wrong or will you be right? We lost that recording tonight. <laughs> Chances were dynamite. <laughs> I can't even keep going anymore. No. Um, so yeah, however you found us. No thanks. voicemails tonight, no Michelle. No voicemails. But you if guys... you guys do want to call in, leave us a voicemail. The line is always open. 678 678- Eight two seven three two nine seven. Um. Oh yeah, my voicemail broke up. It sounded as if I was doing it a big, a big emotional pause. <laughs> I just lost service going through the mountains last week. Sure, I'm serious. Uh, something I want to maybe inject back into the show, as we do every week, is to have sort of the the social hour. Um, asides that we do, and last week was a, a first foray into that, which was just thanking you guys for spending time with us each and every week whether it's live in the trap or in your car the next day on your commute or coming out to slap hands in the atrium or in the gulch or wherever it is uh we started this show a long time ago we say it all the time and it goes without saying like the voicemail and and calling people and communication like this is our way of communicating and doing things and the show started as two friends getting together and shooting the shit. And we are very fortunate that we get to get, we get to get together every week and continue in that same spirit. But now that circle has grown and continues to grow with all of you guys. So thank you um, for tuning in with us for, for calling in and leaving your voicemails or even just tweeting at us throughout the week and engaging. I mean, Twitter hijinks are, I mean, just as fun as, as doing the show yeah. sometimes. So thank you guys. Um, and, and sort of a, a call to action to, to perpetuate that with your own social circles outside of this show and your own families and friends and, and tell them how much you care about them and, and appreciate them because without each other, this, this doesn't really work and it doesn't make much sense to do it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so thank you for finding us. However you did, if it was on Twitter, um, thank you. And if it wasn't, you can find us on Twitter at home before dark. That's before spelled B in the number four. Um, you can find us on iTunes, um, pocket casts, Google play, Spotify, uh, wherever you found us, if there is a rate, like, subscribe, star, thumbs up, thumbs down, give us a frown or a smiley face. I, I don't care what it is. Um, go ahead and smash something and uh, tune in whenever you can, however you can. Tell a friend, if not about us, but about something else that you care about or something else that you love. We love the hell out of you guys, and we'll see you next week. As always, be home before dark. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, 
or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 